0: Well, good morning, great to see you. <clears throat> we are going to be in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to go ahead and find your way there. Um, <clears throat> really excited just to get into a deeper uh, pursuit of the word together. There's something about this type of setting where the church is gathered together with a hunger for the deeper things of God that actually awakens something um, within us that does not get awakened when we simply pursue the Lord alone it's vitally important that we pursue the Lord alone but it's also equally as important that we learn the value of community you are created in the image of community Trinity God and so you're born for community you're designed for community it is not good for man to be alone um, and there's something that happens that's very beautiful in, in our hearts when we really learn what it is to be spiritual family together as the body of Christ. So so thankful that you're here. As we're journeying in, uh, into this year of 2024, we're working on understanding what it means to be truly awake and fully engaged. That's our 2024 focus. Um, What that looks like is that we are following the practices modeled in the life of Christ in a way that we've never done before. So um, this is not something we've ever looked at in times past. We just felt the Lord was stirring uh, this for us to understand. Um, We understand that the Lord's given us some real central ideas that we focus on as a church family, and those would be what we call our core values or our principles, But now we're looking at not just core values, the things that we believe, but core practices, the way that we behave. And it's important that we understand faith without action is dead. Belief without behave is not good. And so we're uh, looking into that. So our uh, core principles uh, really are these five general ideas. We want to be outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to the Lord's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. Those are the five ideas that we know the Lord stirred in our heart. So out of those core values then come these core practices. And those core practices, if you're going to be outrageously loving, then we talked about Sabbath and service we're going to passionately pursue the lord we want to get into a place of fasting and and knowing god's word Uh, a lot of people are voicing a lot of different things in the way they're interacting with god's word we're right now in a season uh, five o'clock tonight uh, five o'clock we'll be online once again for our study in the book of ephesians let's go deeper pastor A.T. is doing a great job with that you can notify us if you are uh, interested and we'll give you the link for that And so the the progression of practices then takes us to the next, which is what we're talking about today irrationally giving. Would you put those back up one more time? I went on a little journey there. Um, Thank you. Simplicity. uh, Yeah, the other one. Simplicity and generosity uh, are the things that we're going to look at today to be irrationally giving. And then the next few weeks, we'll be talking about what it means to really explore solitude and community, which next week we want to engage on that particular day in an imported Italian meal together. Uh, We're going to have pizza, lunch, so come ready to stay. And then finally, uh, effectively discipling, we'll circle back to the idea of Sabbath and the table. So we're going to look through these in progression, and we're inviting you to participate by putting these into practice. And uh, that really is the desire that we allow the Lord to do a deep work within us. Here's the prayer focus for the, the season. I think it becomes a prayer focus for me, for my life, and uh, maybe for you as well. But it's out of Philippians 2 verse 13 in the Living Bible. I'm praying this over you every single day. It's such an honor for me to stand before you right now and pray this over you, uh, having prayed it for you so much. But I just know God is working in you <laughs> How many of you believe that's true like will you just surrender to his work in you he's forming christ within you galatians four nineteen says god is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him so we just receive that right now lord we welcome you to do your work within us to shape our desires your word says if we delight ourselves in the lord you will give us the desires that we are to hold in our heart so lord we just welcome your work in jesus mighty name you're working in us giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases you amen 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 Uh, that is our prayer and we want to explore what that looks like and that's why we have um Just different activities to try and engage in that regard, getting into the Word, Sunday nights at 5 in this season. uh, We consistently meet here for Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning just to press in and, and go deeper. I want you to know those that show up and really press in to pray, I believe we owe a great debt of gratitude because there's something released in the atmosphere of our church family as a result of congregational community prayer. Uh, And I would invite you, particularly in these 40 days, explore that, show up this Tuesday, and just see what it's like uh, as we're pressing in. It's it's not fancy, it's not big, but it's beautiful. And it's just the presence of the Lord. It's a sweet, sweet presence. And I would invite you in that, you know, Sunday mornings before uh, most people arrive. We're in here pressing in and we're praying at 10 a.m. Uh, before the 1030 worship begins. I think it sets the tone for the atmosphere. Wednesday is the day of fasting and prayer. I would invite you to participate and be a part of what that looks like because I believe that these things release something of God's kingdom in the earth, in your own heart, in your own home, and in your life. Around you. And so uh, I encourage you in, in that regard. And it's why we're doing things like uh, a lunch next week, because we want to form a deeper sense of community. The Sunday after that, uh, you see these cards on your seats. Would you mind just picking those up? I'd appreciate if you would take those as reminders, because one week from tonight is a worship night. And uh, I know one church that's coming from Miami, Oklahoma, which is many hours away, but a number of churches are going to be joining us that night for a worship night. And if you flip it over, you see the Fuel the Fire event, which is the first weekend in March. Um, and many of you may not realize, but we work with a team out of England, and it's got a lot of international influence, um, and we do these fuel the fire events monthly around the United Kingdom this is the only one we do in the USA and uh, last year we had people come from California from West Coast East Coast uh, for this particular event and of course the network of pastors we work with uh, come but I, I just encourage you this shapes a lot of the spiritual DNA of our lives and so what you'll notice is on this fuel the Fire is a little QR code if you'll scan that we really would appreciate your registering for this event So would you mind just taking a moment and use your phone, scan that, and get registered in. There's not a charge to come to the event, but we need to know uh, in preparation uh, for the event. So if you take a moment for that uh, and get that this week, I would appreciate it. But all these things that we're trying to accomplish aren't just events we want to try and have so that we can feel good about having events. It's because we want God to do a work in us, giving us his desires, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And so we're gathering around this, and it's great. Uh, Steve and Esther Uppel, who serve as an apostolic voice to our church family, will be coming in from England and uh, being uh, leading the charge with a lot of that. And as we explore and we pursue him, we become who God has called us to become through practices and principles. Let's all say it together. Can you uh, make this declaration with me of who God's called us to be? We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. So when we're talking about those five things and we're talking about practices, what we're not trying to do is just uh, looking at what it means to try to be that. I mean, if, you know, if you just try to be nice, um, then you find yourself sometimes not being nice and then you feel like you've failed. Anybody ever been there before? Uh, and so it's really not about trying. You just need to understand this. The kingdom of God is not about trying. The kingdom of God is more about Training. What are the efforts you can make to grow and become more acquainted with the nature of Christ at work within your life? And so that's really where this uh, the practices start to help us understand how to train. So today we're going to talk about what it means to be irrationally giving people. It's a great uh, principle, but we're going to view a couple of practices that help us train and grow in generosity. It's a beautiful reality, isn't it? Um, i, I this last week there was a guy talking about working out in the gym and like it was packed a whole group of people on all these machines and and weights and and they're i mean it's just packed waiting for your turn to get in real frustrating to try and get your workout in and all of a sudden a cell phone on one of the benches rings the guy walks over he picks it up Hello? and uh, on the other end is hey sweetheart i can't hardly hear you and he goes yeah I, i'm at the gym i'm working out it's loud she goes, oh, okay, um, listen, I found a really great deal on a mink coat, $5,000 marked down to $4,000, silence on the phone, and he goes, well, it's a great deal, why don't you get it, and get a purse to match, she's shocked, she says, oh, I love you, I love you, honey, uh, All of a sudden, she's realizing he's in a generous disposition. This might be a good time to ask the question I've been waiting to ask. And she says, sweetheart, just one more thing. You know, my mom's not been doing so well, living by herself. And um, we need to work out another arrangement. Do you think it might be possible that she could move in with us? Maybe just for three months. We'll see how it goes. Silence on the phone. The guy says, look. Don't ask me for anything more. If you'll agree to that, get the mink coat, get the purse. Your mom can move in tomorrow. (gasps) I love you, sweetie. I love you too. Goodbye. Hung up the phone. He's looking at his phone. He turns around and he goes, anybody know whose phone this is? (laughs) (laughs) Have you figured out that it is easier to be generous with other people's stuff than it is with your own? That, (laughs) that's funny, that is the essence of stewardship versus ownership. When we're talking about being outrageously uh, loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles. Irrational, think about that, it doesn't make sense. Irrationally giving lifestyles. When you stop viewing all God has entrusted to your care as your own stuff, and you realize how many of you came into this world with nothing, how many of you will go out of this world with nothing, what that means is God owns it and God loans it for a lifetime for you to steward. You don't own it, God owns it. You're the steward, he's the owner. When you start to understand this, it changes your mindset about how you become generous with all of God's stuff that he's entrusted to your care. So as we look at this and we begin to evaluate what God does is gives us his stuff to have in our possession and then he says, "I want you to give some of my stuff away while you're living in this life." And in doing so, You then will earn greater treasure in the next dimension as a result of giving away the lesser treasure in the world that you and I live. Like, this is a really interesting paradigm, isn't it? Like, it's all his. And then if we'll be faithful to learn generosity with all of his stuff, then something is unlocked in the future when we get into heaven. I don't know what treasure in heaven looks like, but the Bible speaks very clearly of treasure in heaven that results in the way we steward treasure in the earth. This is where we pick up in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And Lord... I don't want to formulate a message based on a couple of verses. I want to look to your word as the source of power that transforms our lives. So even as we read your word, Lord, may we just... That reading your word publicly like this releases something of your power and your kingdom to invade our hearts and lives. So shape us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew six nineteen to 21, Jesus tells his disciples, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Just think about that before we go on. We need to build bigger barns, put more stuff. I have more stuff. If you've moved, you know it's like, How did I get this much stuff? And then the next time you move, it's like, I thought I had a lot of stuff. Last time we have we we have movies and shows built around the idea of our love for stuff. I mean, it's crazy how stuff central we become. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What is that? I don't know, but I think I'm going to be glad I worked in that direction one day when I get there, if I'll pay attention here and now. I mean, no, it's true. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Don't store up treasures of this earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures. You should be pursuing what this treasure in heaven is actually supposed to be. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So there's this greater treasure and this lesser treasure. And we live our lives many times completely given to the pursuit of the lesser treasure, ultimately neglecting the greater treasure that God tells us we should be in pursuit to explore what that means. So here's the big idea that we need to understand. Um, the two practices for this week, simplicity and generosity, for to become irrationally giving people, we've got to explore this. And I'll explain it just a bit, but understand this, simplicity empowers generosity simplicity empowers generosity. The average American house, how many items do you think the average American house has in it? Like when I was when I heard this stat, I had to look it up to make sure because I was shocked. The average American house has more than 50 items in it. Has more than 100 items in it. The average American house has more than 1,000 items in it. The average American house has 300,000 items in it. It's crazy to think. Average American house has 300,000 items in it. So let me just encourage you, give some stuff away. (laughs) Simplify. Simplification empowers generosity. You get it? The more you simplify your life, the less you're interested in keeping all the complicated nature of all, where am I going to put all this stuff? Like, I don't know, somewhere along the journey, you know, Tracy really loves to shop. She claims I like to shop, but uh, I'm not sure how true all that is. I, I just, I'm, I'm a support. And, and I look around while I'm supporting. Uh, but, but somewhere along the journey, I decided, you know, if I get something new, I'm going to give something away, and, and I just, I'm no, I'm no longer going to acquire, like the amount of stuff I've got in my closet, that's it, I'm not taking any more, if I buy new shoes, I give away a pair of shoes, if I buy a jacket, I give away a jacket, uh, and I just, I, I just have learned, that simplifies this process, and that simplification empowers generosity, um, I would encourage you in, you know, just getting rid of some stuff, in fact, uh, Billy and Ashley, Uh, Why don't you guys just stand up real quick. Man, amazing story of two people who are just serving God with their whole hearts. I just want to say thank you guys for your faithfulness, for your sobriety, giving yourself to the call of God. So that's who Billy and Ashley are, so you know who they are. If you have clothes that you want to give away, they go downtown and work with the homeless weekly, and they asked me recently... Uh, if you have any clothes, or you know where we can get any clothes, we want to give those away. Like, we might really overload them with clothes now. I don't know if we're going to mess you up. But ask them. Don't just bring stuff, because we don't have a clothes closet here. But you understand what I'm saying? Just simplify your life, and simplification actually empowers generosity. It's amazing when you start to realize how simplification empowers generosity, and the opposite. How I mean, you know there's a tension, because complexity strangles generosity simplification i'm going to simplify uh that empowers generosity but complexity that does the opposite and it strangles my ability to be generous because i'm just constantly in this complex pursuit of something more it's just my i'm I'm, my life's getting more complex i don't know where to put all the stuff i don't know how to manage all the stuff and there's this tension that exists between these two worlds. And Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 6 and he actually speaks of this. Verse 24. Same text, just a few verses down. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise This is an interesting word. I looked it up this week just to evaluate. It actually means neglect or disregard. If you're focused in one direction, you're going to neglect or disregard or, in essence, despise. You will have no pursuit in it. So you'll either be devoted. Uh, I'll just start over. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. When you're reading the Bible and it ever talks about rich people, you just need to understand it's talking about you. We live in a world, in our part of the world, where even the poor people are incredibly rich in comparison to the population of the world. Okay, so recognize that. We've got a great responsibility with all God's entrusted to our care. He owns it and He's loaned it to us. And the problem is we get focused on the wrong things. Would you agree? How many of you have ever been focused on the wrong things before? How many of you are a little bit focused on the wrong things right now? Starting to get a little picture of it. The Lord's convicting. He's so loving. He's going to convict us, help us understand it. But uh, I I looked at this study about in the 1960s. They came out with uh, labor-saving devices that started emerging labor-saving devices. All these promises were being made. We're going to leverage your time. You're going to get more work done in less time so that you can have a lot more time to rest and to relax. So the vacuum cleaner came out. The electric skillet came out. Hair dryers came out. Labor-saving devices all came out. And indeed, they did leverage people's time. But what do you think happened? They didn't choose time to relax. Instead, they chose money to pursue. You leveraged my time. You gave me more time. But instead of using my time wisely for rest, I choose to leverage the time that I've been given to pursue a bigger bottom line, a greater level of income. And that rat race has perpetuated and continued. And uh, it's interesting, but still today, people choose time, I'm sorry, money over time. Just think about that. I just since a say law moment there still today people choose money over time things that matter less over things that matter more in fact studies show that people who choose money over time experience less happiness than people who choose time over money Great is your reward when you understand the principles of the kingdom of God and you explore true riches which actually are found in relationship. How many of you heard you can't take it with you? It's a lie. You can take it with you if you understand what it is. Because the one thing you can take into heaven is other people. Living a life that demonstrates the very nature of Christ, the generous nature of God, awakens other people to understand, you're coming from a different place maybe than something I've known or or understood. What's this all about? You're then able to share with them what you've modeled is actually found in the nature of Jesus Christ who came, lived died risen from the grave that we all might come to life and if you can win people to the Lord Jesus Christ they will stand with you in heaven one day and say thank you for sharing the gospel and what kind of heavenly reward is that going to be in your life you can take it with you you just have to understand true riches are relationships So, don't choose money over time when you have the opportunity to invest in something that matters more than just money and the things of this world. It's it's pretty simple, but the fallen world has a broken system. How many know that's true? The fallen world has a broken system. And what I'm talking about is incredibly countercultural. Agreed? And so, each week, particularly in these weeks, I'm bringing my jar. I know I've uh, seen a couple of your jars in your house. I would encourage you, get a jar, keep it in your house. Your body comes from dirt. The more you learn to live at rest and that whole Sabbath solitude thing, the more you settle down and you have clear-minded. The Bible says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. Don't allow yourself just to get stirred up all the time. Something happens. Tracy and I were uh, looking for the weather last night, and I don't know, some. Hit some channel and crazy stuff's going on. I was just like, oh my goodness, it's stirring up my dirt. It's just kind of I started feeling a little bit like that. I said, it's stirring up my dirt. I turned the channel, and she started laughing. But just learn to live in a state of calm. Learn to live in a state of solitude. In fact, I, I wrote this down. I wanna I thought it was just a great quote. Norman Vincent Peel said, the cyclone derives its power from a calm center so does a person. I think for us to learn what it is to be at rest, and, and boy, are we uh, in for quite a journey this election year. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I mean, that is where most Christians live in the political season. It's like, seriously? Seriously? We must not be more politically charged than we are spiritually mature. So we want to just ask the Lord for wisdom as we walk all of this out. Just recognize the fallen world has a broken system and we're called to live countercultural lives. Now all this to say, it's important that we recognize that which we read in God's Word is supreme truth. Can I get an amen? Amen. We live in a day where this word has fallen under such question. And if it doesn't line up with a lifestyle choice I've concluded, then I'll just throw that out and come up with my own standard because everybody has their own standard of truth. Wrong. This is the standard of truth per God uh, for his word that we might shape our lives and surrender our lives more clearly to what he says is right and what he says is wrong. So recognizing that, his word gives this standard for how to explore generosity in our lives. How to break a spirit of materialism off of our lives. Listen, giving has always been a part of God's plan for worship. Giving has always been a part. I know, here comes the T word. Are you ready? I'm going to say it. Tithe is actually a biblical reality. It existed before the law when Abram tithed to Melchizedek, before the law was ever given. The law reiterated Jesus came after the law to fulfill the law, not to do away with it, saying you should not neglect the tithe. And then Paul says give uh, in keeping with a sum of money in the way you give generously to see God's kingdom expand. This is all in Scripture beginning to end, always been a part of the plan. If you have a place that's your spiritual storehouse, where your family's spiritually fed, where you're spiritually fed, that is your storehouse, and you are to actually, every time you increase, I know it sounds crazy in some people's minds, every time you increase, then you just bring a portion of that increase before the Lord as an offering to Him of tithe, and the spirit of materialism is addressed on the deepest level of your life beyond your wildest imagination. I'm not saying it to brag, but I'm telling you, Tracy and I have been married for a long time. She's asked me to stop saying the number of years so I won't mention 1989 but we've been married for a long time and there's not been one t- I haven't been a pastor all that time all the years prior to being in ministry like this not been one time that we've increased in our lives that we've not been faithful to tithe on that income before the Lord How many of you know that's released something of God's blessing in our lives but that's released something of God's blessing in our legacy my great-great-great-great-grandchildren are going to experience something of a release of God's blessing that they'll not have any idea. Why is there such favor on our lives? I, I'm I'm not trying to turn prosperity preacher on you. I'm just telling you, the kingdom of God is a reality that's to be explored in the way we put practices into motion in our everyday lives. So as you increase, bring your tithe before the Lord. This is how we do it here. We don't pass buckets. You can... You can go online. I think text give QR code, uh, you know, giving stations. You you got to kind of explore and be intentional. We're not. We do not want to talk you out of your rent. We don't want you to show up and we give a good. You know here you can do this and you know we'll talk you out of. Your, that's not it. We want you to be intentional. We want you to be worshipful, to purpose that you're going to honor the Lord, break a spirit of materialism off of your life and just test and see what the Lord will do. His word actually says to do that. And so we want to grow in that together as a family and walk that out. I thought it was kind of interesting when I started looking at um, this in in consideration. In fact, the worship team, go ahead and come up if you would. Uh, Frequency of words communicate an essence of priority in scripture. You hear what I said? Frequency in words communicate the essence of priority in scripture and so we just kind of evaluate i love studying the word of god in many different aspects but this is one thing word studies of frequency that you find you know how often something's used Uh, pray is actually uh, used in the bible more than one for every day 371 times you find pray the word pray that means it covers us on leap year as well pray every day all day pray without ceasing daily pursuing the Lord 371 times love is used 714 times how many of you pray but you don't love you're just a Pharisee and so there's something here that we need to evaluate even in terms of frequency of word but then I thought I wonder how many times the word give is used pray 371 times love 714 times give 2152 times He's a generous God. And we're called to live generous lives. Like tip well when you go out to eat. Find needs and meet them. Simplify your life so you can like budget for the purpose of giving so that you can be generous in the way you live when you find somebody in need. I mean, I... I, to tell somebody you need Jesus is one thing, and we should be doing that. But to tell somebody, man, I know you're struggling. How about I catch your rent this next month and, and let you get back on your feet and then you know, see where we are at the, at the conclusion of that month. Like, that is irrational. That is the point. You know what they're going to say to you? Why would you do that? Open door. Insert gospel. I'm not trying to talk you into coming to my church. It's just I want to explore the nature of Christ and what that really means and the way I live my life. That's just who I am. I'm a Christian. What a beautiful way to share the gospel when we actually learn to stop being so self-absorbed that we can be generous in an irrational way. It opens the doorway for other people to experience the love of God. In, In college and career this morning, I was listening, Tracy made the statement, God loves people around us so much, and he wants to love them through us. Like, you get that? It really struck me. I just thought, man, it's just so true. Just trying to sense where the Lord's going right now. I've started making it a point to take more time to pray into this moment than preparing a sermon. I have some real clarity on what I feel the Lord's asking in this moment, but I just want to kind of wait on Him. How many of you know it's just a beautiful thing when the Lord's in charge? It's not so beautiful when people take charge and don't allow Him to have room but that's the way it ought to be in all of our lives every day. <laughs> just learning to live by the Spirit. So let's just take a moment. Just, I want to give you an opportunity to just kind of reflect on your priorities. You know, Landon said in our... Again, I was in that college and career group this morning. And Landon Hamill said... Um, Just look at how you spend your time, and it'll tell you a lot about what you prioritize in your life. So just think for a moment with me. Reflect. What are your priorities? Where are you investing your time, your energy, and your money? Just ponder that. Just think about it. Holy Spirit, would you help guide us in this moment to understand we're not here just to hope for a good sermon to preach us up, but we're actually here rather than listening to a speaker. We're here to encounter the Savior. Would you help us to do that? Reflect on your priorities. children reflect on the priorities that you're demonstrating for your kids. Our time. Our energy. Our money. What do they see? So I want you to think about where any area in your life where simplicity can be embraced. simplicity empowers generosity so what area in my life can simplicity be embraced this is just so good to get into a community group where you work this out and talk this out together what are some areas where simplicity can be embraced maybe I can declutter some physical spaces get rid of some stuff be a blessing to someone else maybe I can simplify the schedule just a little bit reorganize what I would call time priorities and commitments maybe I can begin to reassess my financial priorities to specifically designate a category just for generosity random acts of kindness Beautiful expression, a beautiful expression of God's kingdom. Lord, I know. Um, fully capable of making a mess of things I just want to confess to you in front of our church family Lord that I've not always been really good at surrendering my ambition but I feel this morning I've done what you've asked me to do I pray Lord by your spirit you would awaken your word within us that you would accomplish what you desire to accomplish For God is working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So we just receive that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Your action point this week is simply um, clean out your closet. We want to bring God's presence to real life. Just go in your closet, find some stuff. You haven't worn in a long time. And find a good home for it. Maybe you know somebody who's your size, or somehow you can. There's another organization that I've been giving clothes to downtown where they help people transition out of prison into a productive place of community. It's Team, T E E M. It's another great organization locally. Whatever it looks like, Goodwill, whatever. But go into your closet and give some stuff away. Practice simplification, just embracing the, this practice of generosity. And I, I do just want to encourage you in something. We're going to be having a, a Next Steps Sunday coming soon. And the reason this is important is because on that Sunday, we explain what Discover Destiny Community Group is all about. Um, Kevin and Lindsay Judd lead the charge with that. And I appreciate you guys and just want to voice that to you. Say thank you for your leadership and who you are in this church family. Um, but in the course of that starting, you know, it'd be about a month away, I think. But how um, I many you oh, know Jesus loves the church? Jesus loves the church. His desire is not for us to slip in and slip out and never really become who he's called us to be as a family. So that Next Step Sunday is a really important day just to come in and hear. What does it look like for us as a church family to find our way into a deeper pursuit of God? And uh, I would invite you, if you've not been a part of that, um, then just drop a Connect card. Put your name and select Discover Destiny on there and drop it in uh, one of our giving stations before you go. And we'll follow up with you on the details. How about we just worship the Lord a little bit together as we conclude? Yep for it? He is so worthy. Let's stand to our feet. He is so worthy. He does not love you because you are so lovable. He loves you because he is so loving. Isn't that amazing? He's just that loving. So come on, let's just press in for a few moments before we're dismissed. Let's worship this loving, generous God who loves us so much.